Hello, you're listening to Pan Am, a podcast that unlocks the stories from Paris's past. In today's episode, love. Now, Paris is a ridiculously romantic city. In fact, I've lived here 17 years and I still find it beautiful. And I walk around and never seem to tire of it despite the filth, pollution and overcrowding. It is romantic, but I do find myself becoming unreasonably angry with people who, in my opinion, deface the beauty of the city with their stupid love locks. Now, if you don't know what this tradition is, then let me explain. It seems that there did exist a story about this before, a sort of tragic romantic story dating back to about World War I, but no one had seen a love lock in Paris until the teen book I Want You, which was not set in France but Italy, came out in 2006 and then was soon followed by a film in 2007. Basically, the idea is that you write your name and your lover's name on a padlock and then lock that to a bridge and throw the key into the river and then... Hey presto, you will love each other forever. As if all it takes to love someone forever is to write your name and lock it. I just, it's, I don't know. I've never understood this. It just seems like an empty, tedious gesture. If you want someone to love you forever, you should make them some tea in bed and be nice to them and friendly and kind and do the washing up. You don't need to write your name on a lock. That's just ridiculous. Anyway, this romantic, and I am using air quotes around romantic gesture, became so prevalent following the book slash film that Paris and other places became covered in these ugly lumps of metal. There were so many on the Pont des Arts that it seemed in danger of collapse and authorities had to cut the locks off. Tourists, however, well, at least a sort of tedious tourists found a way around this and carried on locking locks on signs and just wherever they could or getting bigger locks to lock around things. So sadly we still have plenty of locks in Paris just parasiting the bridges and other places. So what did I want to talk about this episode? Well while researching the last couple of episodes I found myself on the Ile de la Cité quite a bit and I came across a rather remarkable love story. So this kind of got me thinking about love and I came across this story and it's quite a short story about love but I thought you might enjoy it and since it's only quick I thought I might have a look at some of the other stories of love from Paris's past. Now I do not by any means have a definitive list of love stories or love traditions but here are just a few and maybe I'll do a few more episodes like this and you know update it from time to time as I find out more of the loving traditions from Paris's past. So let's start off with one of the traditions that did not involve locks and which I personally would recommend. Cité. Cité. Well, we are back, where else, on the Ile de la Cité. Now walk with me down the Rue de la Colombe. Rue Colombe means Dove Street in English and it has had this name for an incredibly long time, since the 13th century, so around 800 years. And according to a 15th century manuscript, it was given this name due to the following rather romantic tale. In 1223, a Breton sculptor and his wife once lived here, in a rather dilapidated house. Then a couple of doves roosted in their roof. The couple tamed the birds and the doves decided to stay. But sadly the house collapsed, probably due to flooding which is not very surprising considering where this house is situated and if you listen to episode 13 you know that the Seine can be very wild. 
Anyway, the male dove managed to escape from the wreckage, but his partner was trapped. So for a whole week, he brought her food and water until she was finally able to free herself. What a trooper that dove was, and how sweet! If it had been two pigeons that had been trapped, no one would be as impressed though. Which is a shame really, as pigeons and doves are nearly the same bird. But pigeons are considered disgusting and horrible, and doves are considered beautiful and lovely. Anyway, today you cannot miss the house as it's decorated with doves and there's a plaque telling you a little bit about its history. It became popular with young lovers to come here and swear their love for each other and their faithfulness to one another in sickness and indeed in case one of them got trapped in a building. That was until the church banned them from doing this in the 16th century as it considered it a bit too pagan. So, if you dare, brave the wrath of the church and head out to the Rue de la Colombe to swear your love for your partner. Now you can also get a glass of wine here, because here at number four there has been a tavern since at least 1557, and wine is always good when making declarations of love. Less pleasantly, however, we know that this house was rebuilt in 1297 due to the remains of a cat they found between the ceiling and the first floor. Sadly for the cat, this was deliberate. It had been immured, which means it was walled up alive in order to ward off evil spirits, as was the custom of the time. Poor cat. Now, before you head off, cast your eyes down for a moment and notice on the ground there's a band of cobblestone laid across the street. They mark the 4th century Roman walls which were discovered during Houseman's reorganisation of the city. 4th century. Paris sometimes has a way of reminding you just how much history she has. Just around the corner from the Dove's Nest, we find the former residents of Abelard and Eloise. Go back to episode 3 to find out more about them. But in a nutshell, they were great lovers from the 12th century who cared not a jot for what others thought of them and had a passionate relationship which was sadly cut short. Quite literally for Abelard, who was savagely mutilated by Eloise's uncle who was none too happy with the pair and paid some henchmen to remove Abelard's offending equipment. Many years later, after their death, they were buried together in Père Lachaise Cemetery. It soon became popular with young lovers in the 19th century to meet at their tomb, or for those who found themselves facing difficulties in love, to even write them a letter. So head to the cemetery and wander pensively about, or write a poem to your lover and send it to them. Now, since you're here at the cemetery, why not head over to visit the grave of Victor Noir? Victor Noir, which is of course a pen name, was a 19th century political journalist who worked for the Paris-based newspaper Le Marseillaise, which was owned by the politician Henry Rochefort. The Marseillaise, the newspaper, became involved with a complex back and forth between two Corsican newspapers, one loyal to the Republic, the other to the Emperor. Pierre Bonaparte, the great-nephew of Napoleon III, who was, who was the ruling emperor at the time, felt offended by something or other that one of these papers had printed and which the Marseillais supported. So he challenged Rochefort to a duel. Victor Noir was dispatched to meet with Napoleon's hot-headed great-nephew. Pierre, however, was further offended, saying he would not deal with underlings but wanted Rochefort himself. There is some dispute as to what exactly happened next, but basically Pierre shoots Victor dead. To make it even more poignant, the young Victor was only in his early 20s and was apparently due to be married the very next day. In Paris there is an outcry. 
Victor's death becomes a symbol of the struggle between Republicans and those loyal to the Emperor. Hundreds turn out for his funeral. Ultimately, Napoleon III would be defeated later that very year and exiled to London. Once the Republic was re-established, Victor's body was moved from the cemetery in Neuilly, from where he was buried, to the more suitably prestigious Père Lachaise. He is, after all, a martyr of the Republic. And it's here at Père Lachaise that his extraordinary tomb is made. A life-size bronze statue with Victor lying as if he's just been shot, with his hat beside him. If you are standing next to the tomb, however, you'll notice, as with lots of brass statues, that some bits have become shiny from being touched. It seems that lots of statues all around the world have various traditions, meaning if you touch this bit or that bit, you'll be lucky or whatever. For example, students like to give Montaigne's foot a little rub to bring them luck in their exams. With Fichte, it's not his foot, but rather his manly bits, which are very shiny, because this statue has a remarkably large trouser bulge, and it is said giving it a rub will bring you luck in love or improve your fertility. Well, aside from Victor Noir, there are plenty of other romantic things to do in Paris. A final one I might suggest is heading over to Abesse, which is in the heart of Montmartre, which itself is a very pretty neighbourhood. And you can go to the I Love You wall, where I Love You has been written in 250 languages, including sign language and even Navajo. There you can take your photo with your lover, and if you look carefully at all the red little pieces strewn around, you might be able to recreate a heart. So if you do come to Paris and want to declare undying love, write a letter to Abelard and Eloise, shout it out to the doves, or find I love you in your preferred language. Don't put an ugly lock on a bridge. And if you want your love to last, then consider bringing your lover a cup of tea in bed. I'm sure she'll thank you for it. That's all for this episode. I do hope you've enjoyed it. And if you have, tell a friend or leave me a review. I really appreciate it. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye.